Hello, and welcome to Warhammer 40K's Grim History from the Beyond. I'm Zekthar. And I'm Yixen. We are the chroniclers of all that was, all that will be in the 41st millennium. We've seen the rise and fall of many empires, and this week we'll be looking to those short, hairy fellows that dwell around the galactic core. The Leagues of Otar. Yes, these small individuals go by main names across the galaxy. Squats, Demir, Craig, Rom, and Space Dwarf. But to the people of the Leagues, they're simply known as the Kent and the Iron Kent. Quite right, Yuxi. And this month, we will be discussing how the Kin deal with other species of the galaxy, as well as discussing their own personal views, combat doctrine, and technology. I can't wait, Sekthar. Well, where should we start? Well, as you know, Yuxin, this is our last week discussing the Votan. And as always, we will start with the questions sent to us by our dear listeners. Well, our first question comes from our good friend, Sacrona, and he asks, do the Votans use their left arm as a shield as well as a twin cannon? In this case, he's referencing in one of our boxes, we show a picture of a Einhir champion, right. which they do have what are called, well, they call them ram shields. Basically, what they are is a plate that they put over the top of their um, combi pattern bolter. They're, sorry, Autoc pattern combi bolter. Uh, a little bit, it also jets out a bit, and so they can use that as technically a shield and also as basically like a battering ram at the app wait, wait a minute i thought you said that they had, the voton didn't have any shields this i won't consider a shield but uh-huh. i could say i'm also wrong <laughs> but see i i don't really see it as a shield so much as it's an extra bit of armor that they put over the top of their weapons but what's what's it called again <laughs> Hmm. What's it called again there, Yuxin? They refer to it as a ram shield. Ah, but it is ah. what we consider as a shield, per se. Okay. It's It looks like, anyways, to me, anyways, on the picture, anyways, it looks like it's about the size of, like, a buckler. Which is a type of shield, by the way. But in comparison to what you normally think of a shield as, you know, like, something that cover more than just your arm. Oh, no, 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 no. The the buckler is actually one of the most prominent shields on Terran 42. But I guess. Yes, uh, real we're quick, talking about Terran 42, are we? No, we're not. I'm sure there are other uh, species anyways in the galaxy that use shields very much like bucklers. But uh, real quick anyways, do, do the Leagues of Votan, other than this one shield, do they actually use any other shields? Not to any sort of recollection or knowledge. Uh, let me clarify. <laughs> since technically we've talked about void shields what i mean is nothing that they specifically say as this person is using like a solid shield like carrying a shield yes because if i recall right from what you talked about anyways with uh voton tech uh void shields are like they're like almost like a force field right yeah okay well thank you for answering that Oh, by the way, uh, if you guys are wondering anyways about what the picture was, you can go ahead and look it up on, what was it, the Leagues of Votan? No, Votan Tech. Tech. Yeah, Votan Tech, and it is at 20 minutes and 15 seconds. That's when the picture pops up, so you can kind of actually see what the shield looks like. Um, But thank you, Sakrona, anyways, for sending in that question. Uh, We we only have one other question, and it comes from Lynn271. She asks... 
So are the Demurg prospectors or part of a guild or what did you find out about them? Because <laughs> as you recall, um, she's recalling anyways, last week when I said anyways, we'd find out about the Demurg. And then uh, Euxen, what, what did you say again, Euxen? I can't remember. Such so along the lines of no, we won't. Apparently <laughs> she wanted us to. Okay. So I did the due diligence on this and to answer that, we do have to bring up the league that you were talking about last week, too, the Saren Talk Mercantile League, who have risen to recent prominence due to its lucrative trading relationship with the Tau Empire. Uh, the Tau Empire in the past has reported that it made a commercial deal with the Shrike Talk Brotherhood. Am I reading uh, that right? Shriek. Shriek? Okay. Shriek. 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 Shriek Talk. You see, you can we keep you around because I can't apparently speak. Sreek Talk Brotherhood of the Demurg. The Demurg are now known to have been a prospect of the Leagues of Votan that was misidentified by the Tau and humanity as a minor Xeno species. You see, the Tau mistranslated the name, and they really have been dealing with the Saren Talk Mercantile League. So there you have it. We have solved the riddle. The Demurg are, in fact, a prospect of the Saren Talk Mercantile. Thank you for settling that, brother. But before we move on, could you explain what a prospect is? <laughs> I certainly can. A prospect is a militarized exploratory and prospecting fleet of the Leagues of Otan. These expeditions seek out new strategic mineral and energy deposits, trade routes, and other lucrative opportunities for the kin and their kindred of League. So these guys, the Demurg... One of the things, anyways, that me and Euxen kind of were going back and forth on were the Demurg, were they actually a guild? Um, from what we have gathered, no, they're no. not. They're a prospecting unit. Now, we also looked into whether or not, anyways, our prospects, are they guilds of their own or can a prospect be a guild? And as far as we've found, that is also, no, that doesn't happen. It seems to be just something that's part of a kindred. Correct. Am I correct with that, Yuxin? Um, From what we've figured out, it's basically a group of kin that have broken off from the main core of a league or maybe several leagues and created their own fleet to do the exploration instead right. of being part of a guild or a specific but, league. But they still, anyways, keep in contact with the leagues that they're part of, right? So that way they can actually kind of have a way that they can flow the trade back through. Well, I assume they have some sort of, yeah. you know, way to connect with them. Right. Well, um, that's all the questions we have. And thank you to all of those who've sent in questions. Krona and Lynn 327? 327. What? Is that 271? You're quite right, Yuxin. It is 271. Sorry. <laughs> Lynn 271. <laughs> uh since, since we have some extra time, I figured we could talk about a couple other heroes from the Leagues of Otan. Awesome. But first, let me add, if you find listeners like our stuff, please subscribe, follow, like, and comment on our boxes. Yes. And if you have any questions, feel free to ask those too. And perhaps we will answer them on our box at the end of the month. Indeed. Well, on with the show. Wait, Yuxin. Aren't you forgetting about Bob? Not all, Zekthar. You remember Guther the Click? Uh, no. I do remember you mentioning something about a kid named Guthar that was coming to fix Bob, but nothing yes. about a click. Yes, one and the same. 
Oh, perhaps we could ask him some questions about the Votan when he arrives. You know, finally get some real answers on who the Votan actually are and if they are Xenos or not. That's awesome. When will he be here? Soon. But first, perhaps I give you an understanding of who he is. <laughs> Indeed, Yuxin. Tell us about this mighty prospector of the Votan. Well, some say he was a glitch in the process. Mm, okay. Others say he was a rare sense of humor. <laughs> that sounds good. And of course, there's always the statement that he suffered too many blows to the head. That's not so good. But what we do know is that he won't stop until he gets one of his ideas right. <laughs> that sounds good. But where did he come from? What league is he from? Well, Guther hails from the league known as Tethys Expanse. Now, the Tethys Expanse League is widely known for its singularly potent interstellar communications network and the substantial fee it costs other leagues who wish to borrow the network's proprietary technologies, but not for much else specifically. In fact, Guther's inventions are noted as products of the guilds known as the Brumeinier, before Guther's brilliant invention known as the Mole Launcher, this guild was part of a minor guild called Brock Minier. Now, the idea of making it was started by some alcohol-induced conversation, something along the lines of somebody mentioning how fast a mole can dig and how great it would be to have something that could dig that well at a long range, something like that. With the idea appealing to the alcohol-induced kin, he rushed out of the bar looking for some moles. Now, after many attempts being made and the loss of almost the entire mole population in the area, he came to realize that using a device that would drill upon impact into the earth and then detonate would be far more practical. Shortly thereafter, he created the mole launcher version 327. He sold his invention, and with that money, Guther and several of his friends created the Brew Miner Guild, of whom produce and sell many a fine ale and liquor. So, he's a brewmaster. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. His partner in crime, Bullock Bugman, is the creator of fine alcohols. Guther still tends to invent new weapons and machinery to help the kin of his kindred, Goldheim, as well as his league. Well, what else has he invented other than the mole launcher? Well, he invented the SPIC 372 LAS drill. It has the capability of drilling to whatever depth you want. Just adjust the knob on the side, set it to whatever hole depth you want to drill, and presto, hole dug within seconds. Wow, that actually sounds interesting. But why haven't I heard of it? Well, he gave it to his good friend Korv Thurk. To test out. After a swig of Bugman's finest, Corv weaved his way out to a rock, aimed, pulled the trigger, and then it exploded. What? Unfortunately, Guther got a few calculations wrong, and the drill blew up, almost killing poor Corv. They had to rush him to the apothecary for immediate assistance, where they gave him a couple of new robotic arms, a leg, and a foot. Uh, well, at least he survived, right? Yes, and he was around to test out Guther's next new marvel, the 
HI point M2K hydroscope. Ooh, that actually sounds interesting. Um, but what does it do? The M2K attaches directly to the eyeball and through the hydro specs, it allows the scope to connect to the brain. So you can just think how far down the range you want to see and it zooms it in for you. Cool. Indeed. It also allows you to change the view of said scope, such as night vision, thermal, and infrared. Wow. I bet they made a bundle on that. Uh, yes. Well, the scope did work. Mind you, Guther forgot about one important thing. The recoil. Uh, oh, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. He, he forgot about the recoil? Yeah. yeah. What happened? So... After Korv was done testing out the sights, he aimed at a faraway stein and pulled the trigger. Unfortunately, the force of the bolter pulled his eyeball from his socket with the recoil, and it was back to the apothecary for poor Korv. But he came out with the new augmented eye, so I guess that works. Mm-hmm. Has... Has this Ken made anything else other than the mole launcher that hasn't caused serious injury to the person using it? Well, he is the one who came up with the concussion gauntlets. Really? He's the one who came up with concussion gauntlets? Mind you, it didn't start off as being used for military purposes. Hmm. In fact, it started as an idea after Guther was in a brawl at his favorite bar. Feeling that maybe he should be armed more efficiently the next time he got into a bar fight, he worked on making a fist weapon of sorts. You mean he decided to make something to fight back instead of just not getting into brawls in the first place? Yeah. Anyway, right. he finally finished the prototype of what we now know as the concussion gauntlet. He went to his favorite bar itching to prove himself with his new invention, and lo and behold, someone picked a fight with him. Chuckling in anticipation, Guther activated his gauntlet, leaned back, and swung with all his might. It was at this moment he learned two important things. One, the gauntlets were pretty heavy and it took more time than he thought to rear back. This gave his adversary enough time to see it coming and dodge said attack. Two, when he missed the enemy and hit the innocent bystander in the back of the head, his weapon wasn't something that should be used for bar fights. When it connected to the poor unfortunate skull, it exploded, sending gore and brains into the crowd of onlookers, instantly killing the poor kin, trying to get his drink. After the blow, the patrons froze in shock. Not a sound was uttered other than the occasional gasp. It was at that moment his assailant realized he was sorely outmatched and ran screaming into the night. Bollock Bugman he owned the establishment, roared that the drinks were on him, provided there would be no more fighting. The crowd cheered and rushed the bar. Bulk grabbed Guther and smiled sadly, saying, I think we might be able to sell these gauntlets. Too bad for old Cole. What? Oh, oh no. Oh no. He was the, he was the guy that he exploded his head? Unfortunately, yes. The innocent oh. bystander that met his demise was none other than Korv Thurk. Oh, yes, no. poor Korv. But through his friend's death, Guther had an epiphany. What was that? To try out new experiments on Bollock? So that one day he could own the bar? 
No. You seem to kill his friends off. You could say it clicked into place that the best use of his two working inventions would be as weapons on the field of battle. In fact, with a few modifications, he could turn his original mole launcher into grenade launcher. Well, what do you think? So you're telling me that you invited this nut job here to our place of study to fix Bob? Yes. But did I tell you he's bringing some of his guild's renowned spirits? He said he would even bring his Bugman's Buchanan, your M39.895. He sounds awesome. How soon can he land? He shall be here soon. But while we wait, do you have any favorite Botan heroes of your own? Perhaps like Guther, that doesn't reach the parables of the Imperium? Indeed. Uh, one name comes to mind, and one alone. Tolk Rockhure has gone by many names in his short career. Tolk the Foul-Tongued, Tolk the Belligerent, Tolk the Mad. But his friends simply know him as Tolki. Tolki was cloned around the end of the 41st millennium in the year of M41.998.9. He started his life out in the Kronos hegemony in the Kindred of Seven. It was said when he was pulled from the cloning crucibles, they gave him a mining pick. Looking at it in disgust, he spat in the grim Nero's face and snagged the axe from the closest kin he could find. Kissing the blade, he glared at those around him, daring them to take the weapon from him. Annoying the Grimnir to no extent, and giving them a few deep cuts, they called upon the leader of the seventh, Colmac the Wise. Glaring at the clone, he extended his hand for the axe. In his other, he held a pick. Tolk hesitated for a moment, then grinned with grim determination as he scooped up the pickaxe in his offhand and held both tool and weapon in an on-guard position. It shocked the Grimnir to no end. How dare this clone refuse his position? Colmac, on the other hand, smiled, and with a deep growl said, Well, give him a squad. Let's see what he can do with it. That was the start of an interesting career for Tolk on the battlefield. He had a knack for tactics and had no fear on the field of battle, pushing his squad and brothers forward, taking position after position. His victories led to promotions, to a point. Tolk, since the day he was produced from the Crucibles, has always had a problem with authority. Since he was named commander of an oath band, he has never made it past that point. While commanders know that the arrogant Ken knows even more than they do about warfare and tactics, only Colmac seems to ask him for advice. This is because Tolk is belligerent in all that he does. He has no respect for his elders other than Colmac. While he normally follows orders, there are times where he doesn't. The two times I have found it recorded were on the planets of Lextinium and Proxonus. Both of these I shall explain in detail, but I must mention before I do so, one of the reasons Tolk hasn't been demoted is simply because of the Ken under his command. Keep this in mind as I chronicle. On the plan of Lextinium, Tolk and his oath band fought against their most hated foe, the Orcs. Holding the line on the eastern side of the banks of the Aldorfa, Tolk noticed an opportunity that his oath band could take an advantage of. The orcs had swarmed towards the western flank, hoping to punch through towards the command fortress. Tolk's oath band was on the eastern side of the embankment, and the flank of the orc Wog was very inviting. Yet Tolk held firm. Even his commanders ordered him to smash into the flank. 
Cries of cowardice echoed through the Vox. Yet Tulk did not even flinch. He waited until he ordered his troops north. How the upper command howled at his arrogance. And it proved to be the right call. What the upper generals didn't know was the orc army had just finished a gargant on the northern aspect of the battle and were about to get it started up. It was about that time it started a function that Tulk's oath band hit the orcs in the war camp, crushing everything around them and then destroying the gargant. Now Tulk's oath band was directly behind the orc, Rog, and it hit it hard directly from behind. The orcs broke in fear and were slaughtered in mass. When the battle came to a close, Tulk was placed in chains and dragged in front of the whole kindred. For his disobedience, he was to be executed in front of all the oath bands to remind them that following orders was not a request, but their duty. Tolk knelt without pause and put his head upon the block, ready to meet the circumstances of his disobedience. But before the executioner could take his head, a group of kin marched towards the square. It was Tolk's oath band. None of them carried weapons. They all simply marched up until they stood next to the executioner and a loud voice that proclaimed that if Tolk's head was to be taken, then they should start with his brothers. They declared that such a mighty kin should not go to the ancestors alone. He should go with his brothers. Dark muttering spread across the rest of the kin. How dare they kill this kin who gave them the battle? It almost looked riotous until Colmack himself strode into the square. Grasping the executioner's axe, he demanded Tolk rise. Tolk was slightly shocked when the axe struck him across the face broadside, smashing him to the ground. That is to remind you to keep your wits about you and follow orders. You got it, Colmack roared. Spitting out teeth, the cheeky Tolk grinned and grabbed the offered hand by Colmack and followed him out of the square. Now, the second story takes place on the small world of Proxonus against the most deadly enemy, the Necrons. On this world, Tolk had been ordered into the dark tunnels of the tomb world. Every corner and turn through the tunnels, they were accosted by vile machinery of the Necrons, yet stubbornly they plowed on. Two days into their venture, they heard distress calls from none other than Colmack. The old kin had fallen into a trap, was begging for assistance. Tolk was ordered to use the tunnels to get to the commander post-haste. Yet Tolk could see his tunnels were swarmed with the enemy and stopped his advance. Putting his oath band into a holding pattern, he turned off his communications and ordered his band to dig due east. An eyebrow or two were raised by his kin, yet they knew Tolk and followed orders without question. It took three solar hours. But with their digging, they punched through a new tunnel directly behind Colmack's Einhild. Leaving a small detachment to hold the new tunnel, they briskly marched into the new tunnel, taking the Necrons from behind and saving Colmack and his few remaining bodyguard. Holding the line, they drug the wounded Colmack to safety and then out of the tunnels. No executioners blocked this time. Tolk was hailed as a hero. And while the generals growled in dismay, his oath band went forth and produced a new axe for him, which they called Oathkeeper. Made by the finest dark star ore, Tolk held it above his head in triumph, while the oath band roared in approval. To this day, Tolk Rakhir has been a quiet whisper of admiration through the ranks of the Kronos hegemony, and a growl disdain by the higher-ups. Interesting character, to say the least, eh, Yuxton? Yes, it is. Yeah, well, uh, I see Guthar isn't here yet, so what do you think of the Votan? Uh, do you have any last words about them, or how you want to sum up this month? Well, for one thing, I blame our friend for us not having more information. Yeah, definitely not enough to cover for that. I no, say. but I have <laughs> seen you tootling around on it in the halls. So, I mean, we at least, you know, should be begrudgingly thankful for it. But what, what do you think of the, what do you think of the votes on? I mean, 
to me, they're kind of an interesting race of little miners that live in the galactic core. Um, it seems, especially with this uh, great rift anyways, we're going to be seeing more of them in the 42nd millennium, right? Um, maybe. What do you mean? Maybe you think they're just going to get wiped out? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, they are basically right near the rift and who knows how long, uh, well, what's the leak? The one I talked about the URSR, how long that one's going to last. Right. I do think anyways, I mean, we have pointed out a few of the leagues, but I think that one thing that we, we really haven't actually probably put into very good perspective is, is that while there are a bunch of these different leagues, they're all still kind of one unit, right? So, I mean, if it came to the concept anyways that, like, for instance, the U.S. or the URSR anyways was on the brink of destruction, the other leagues would come to help when they could, right? I don't know. That's kind of up to debate. Really? You don't think they would? Yeah. I don't know. I. The hegemony probably would, but that's because, you know, there's a fight there. Yeah, right. But, of course, that would be expecting the URSR to actually ask for help. That's a good point. Okay, well, wait a minute. What about the, the Greater Thurian League? I mean, they use, uh, what was the, the group that uh, Guthar is from? Don't they use their technology all the time? For a price. Right. <laughs> for a substantial fee okay I, I will say this too it's always kind of confused me is that these guys i mean they're they're, they're all about building wealth right they're traders they're merchants oh. they're mercenaries it's all for for the almighty dollar right and for their people well okay but <laughs> doesn't have to do with the dollar i mean anyways what's the point you're getting to my yeah, point is, is that it doesn't seem like they're too terribly expansive. They seem to be able to, they're, they're fine anyways of just, you know, like pooling in money from other people. Yeah. I from mean, their own kind. which, which, well, yeah, from their own kind, which kind of begs the question why maybe they, maybe they are just so separated from each other. They wouldn't actually help each other out. I mean, doesn't seem like that seems to be a, a pretty good it doesn't seem like a winning strategy i mean let's say if the imperium gets a bug up its butt anyways and decides that no these are xeno so we have to terminate them all you think they would the, the leagues would just well, kind of one by one kind of see them as xenos because they aren't they aren't the squats the squats they end up annexing at one point because they were almost wiped out right but, and they were at human right but, but yeah so like i said anyways it's very realistic anyways that the imperium anyways just goes hey we should take these guys out because we could take their resources and they're xenos they're aliens which is killing um, i would find it hard to believe if all of the Imperium would think that at one point. Why? So if that was true, then they would have probably done that with the Tal a long time ago. Uh, okay, so now we're, we're, we're getting into a different concept. The reason why the Tower <laughs> still exists is just simply because the Empire of Man has so many enemies and so many battlefronts. The Tower, the least of their concern. 
the Tau at this point anyways have realized they can't really expand too terribly far into the Imperium of Man because if they do, they draw the ire of the Imperium of Man and they would just get wiped out. Or instead, they, they slowly take over the planets. Yeah, although they try to. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And they seem much more ac- applicable than uh, um, than the other Xenos. But, I mean, if you look at the Empire of Man, I mean, anyways, the Tau and... If they were going to start a war with the leagues of Votan, anyways, you're talking about like really low, low end, you know, problems. Yeah, I mean, their big problems I are like don't think they have enough hive behemoth and the great rift and all the you know chaos warriors that are popping out all over the place and the necrons and, and yeah, it just I mean they've got a lot of and. Yeah, they've just got they a just lot have too of much problems. on their plate that even if they did decide we are going to go after the Votan, they're just I know they probably have extremely high populace and a lot of people, but the fact of the matter is is that they're facing off against so many different people, they just don't have the resources to focus on one right. particular enemy. But, but, but here's no, what I'm I don't saying. think they could wipe out really anybody right now because they just don't have <laughs> the ability to. Right. But here's here here's my question though, is that if they decided anyways, we're gonna start a crusade against the Voton, right? Let's just say they decide to do that. They they they, they still have enough people anyways, they can do crusades. Um they I would mean, probably right, right now they're actually in the middle of a crusade right now, um, against chaos, but if they decided to do that anyways, well, here's my question. I mean, you said they'd probably lose, but here's the thing is that if the leagues of Votan are really that disjointed and they won't actually stick up for other leagues, would they really actually lose? I mean, they yes, just take over one league at a time. Near. Well, the problem is, is that they, they wouldn't be just going against the leagues because they'd have to get through the rift. No, no, no. It's not like the rift separates the empire of man from, the leagues of Votan. It separated it from some of the leagues of Votan. Some okay, fine. Some of them, but some of them, anyways, they wouldn't. You're still not answering my question. My question is, is that do you think it would be actually easy for them to do that just simply because the leagues would not themselves, anyways, help each other out, or do you think that they actually would? Do you think they would actually I band together anyways? Would possibly help each other out. I just don't think that all of them would. Kind of like, for example, in the case of the greater thurian when they had to face when they first started after the rift uh they called out to different places some places said nah that's okay we won't get involved and then some of them were like okay yeah this should be dealt with we'll well, get I, I don't think any of the leagues themselves actually got involved did they other than the greater thurian league at the same time i don't think the greater thurian league actually asked for help from anybody else either. Right. I mean, so, they, they're, they're stubborn enough. They figure they could just solve it on their own, which goes back to the same question I had before. Do you think that they would actually band together if they had a large enough force anyways going against them? We don't even need to I would say yes, they would. You think they would? The reasoning behind that being is that their core value is, it's all about their brothers. Right. Protect the kin. Yes, and what is the most logical way to keep the kin, which would be banding together in comparison to 
getting wiped out. So then I guess, so follow that train of the thought anyways, my next question anyways, this will probably have to be alas, unless, you know, Guthar's <laughs> going to take a sweet time getting here. But if that's the case anyways, and they're willing to band together to protect each other anyways, what's keeping them anyways from banding together and expanding? Because uh, not all of them want to continue to explore outwards. Like in the case of, I believe we mentioned when it came to the the Greater Thurian is one of the main reasons why they've actually started expanding is because they're trying to basically replace worlds that were destroyed or overrun. Right, by the Great Rift. Well, no, that's what oh, I'm saying yeah. is, is that because of this Great Rift anyways, and they're starting to, they're having, they're being forced to expand out a little bit. What keeps yeah. them anyways from not continuing to expand? Um, what keeps them I, from yeah. actually not banding together and going, you know what? We actually can do this. Why don't we go ahead and carve out our little, uh, uh, a new little empire? Well, some of them, like the ones that are in prospects are kind of doing that. Because they're creating fleets. Right. It's not like they're invading planets. I mean, the they're... difference is, is the reason why is because they're focused more on what is best for who we have now. It's not a focus of we're trying to gain. Uh, we aren't a grab for power or a desire for conquest. That isn't like in them, really, in their personality is a desire for conquest, which is what you're talking about. Right. You think that'll ever change? Or do you think they'll just slowly be eaten away? Well, except for there are those prospects that may end up doing that. Not necessarily. Because the way that I see it is a lot of these prospects end up going out there and taking over places. And going, hey, you know, there, there's these resources here. And then one of the leagues comes over and then ends up populating it. So actually, right, they could just slowly expand. They'd just be expanding a little bit differently than the Tau are. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so from what I've gathered at this point anyways, until the Great Rift actually took place anyways, they just kind of slowly treaded water within the um, uh, galactic core, right? They just kind of kept yeah. both planets together. No one really wanted to go into the galactic core. So they just kind of were kind of, you know, kind of kept to themselves. We are happy. We are, yeah. we're satisfied. Yeah. They're just like, you know, we've got all this stuff. We're cool. We can, we can live here and, and yeah, we're good. But because of the great rift anyways, now they're kind of stuck dealing with everybody else now. Yeah. Um, and they seem okay anyways, with like trading and stuff like that, which is kind of interesting as opposed to just about, Everybody else, other than maybe the Tau, and the Tau, they're a different animal, anyways. But I could definitely see them, anyways, realizing that now that they're in this great new universe, anyways, that doing just the status quo of just saying, "Hey, we're just going to kind of, you know, keep to our own worlds," that's just not going to work. I mean, what's the old saying, anyways? Is that I mean, you're if you're not going forwards, you're going backwards. Yeah, I don't know because we really haven't had time to study them enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I guess my final question for you is, do you think that they have the grit anyways and the determination to actually start moving forward? Do you think that they can if come they together to do that? To, 
if they wanted to, I think they could make a significant process, but that would be if they ever got at the point that they actually wanted to. Hmm. That's kind of an interesting concept. This is, of course, also a group that, like you said, for a long time was just fine staying in one place. Right. They were just fine with not really expanding at all. Right. That's kind of an interesting point. Look, brother, there's Guther's ship now. Where? Oh, yes, I see it. Uh, uh, Uxin, it, it appears to be on fire. Nonsense, brother. That's just the jets being superheated from the long warp jump. Uh, I, I don't think that's how it works. No! Uh, I'm sorry, brother. But it was a long shot whether or not Guther would be able to fix Bob. But now how am I supposed to get rid of Bob? I mean, how are we going to fix him now? What? What? What did you say? And to think, the bottle of Bugman's Buchanan blew up with him. No! Is Is this how we end the month? With such a wonderful treasure of booze being exploded into space. Unfortunately, yes, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks to our listeners this month about those strange short fellows in the Galactic Corps. <laughs> and Steed Sektar. But what are we going to talk about next month? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm okay. I'm okay. Well... I'm glad you asked. Next month, we're going to go a little bit dark. We're going to talk about chaos. Early? Dang it. I was hoping for something nice. Well, while it is within the realm of chaos, I think you'll find it more interesting than the usual blood and guts of corn. What are the disease of Nurgle? Really? You thought I'd enjoy this. What makes you think that I... Alpha Legion. Ooh. <laughs> yes, good, good. I have longed to put the concept of this strange legion into Chronicle. Uh, yes. Well, to those of you who enjoyed our Vox, please like, subscribe, follow, and comment. Yes. And if you have any questions, feel free to send them to www.ashrata.com. That's www.ashrakka.com. Um, yeah, that's right. And and, and as always, <clears throat> this is Zekthar and Yuxin signing off.